0: Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. All right, Rabotai, erev tov. Welcome to our Thursday night. Parashat Shavuot class. Happy to have everybody back again, with some new faces and some old faces, but all beautiful faces, coming to uh, to study Torah tonight. Uh, Baruch Hashem. What be- what better can we do? There's nothing better. It just snowed, a lot of snow outside. We'd rather be indoors under in the heat of Torah, the esh of Torah that is uh, that is burning through us, through our neshamot, b'zalat Hashem. Um, we want to thank our sponsors for tonight's shiur, Mr. and Mrs. Maurice Buzaglo, who sponsored the shiur in memory of his brother, Mr. Jack Buzaglo, z'ichrono bracha. Nachala was uh, earlier today, yesterday. Um, and as well, Mr. and Mrs. Luis Atias, in memory of her mother, Mrs. Simi Sudri, z'ichrono bracha. May the words of Torah that we say... This evening, Amen. Amen. <coughs> um, what can we say about Parashat Bo? You 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 mentioned the name Parashat Bo, and the first thing that comes to your mind, the light bulbs, the the start flashing. mitzrayim. This is it. Pesach. Pesach. Masa maror. That is. This is what comes to mind. When we, when we hear Parashat Bo, there is no question that that is the theme. The last three makot, arbe, locus, choshech, and makat bechorot. And of course, all the mitzvot of Pesach. We have the mitzvot of the korban Pesach, the paschal offering. Um, so much taking place in, uh, you know, we have the parasha ends, of course, with, uh, with Kadesh Nikol Bechor, um, and and tefillin, which is also connected to Pesach, there's a lot going on over here in this week's parasha. There seems to be a part of the parasha that doesn't fit so well, and it's not that it, it's not that it's not important Chas V'Shalom, because I think we're going to see how important it is after tonight's class. But it just feels out of place, and that portion of the parashah I'm referring to is the mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh. The mitzvah of sanctifying the new moon. HaChodesh hazeh Lachem Rosh Chodeshim. This mitzvah which is found in the beginning of Pentecost Bed, chapter 12 just prior to a very lengthy discussion about the Korban Pesach. We have these three or four psukim, if, if that that Hashem commands Moshe and Aaron that they are going to declare this month, which is the month of Nisan, the head of the months, Ros Chodashim. And from that moment on, it would be up to Klal Israel and the Beddin and the Sanhedrin to sanctify the moon monthly and sanctify the month monthly based on the witnesses and the testimonies that was going to take place later on in history. (laughs) Rashi, at the beginning of the Torah, tells us that this mitzvah was the first mitzvah given directly to Bnei Israel: the sanctification of the new moon, the primacy of Chodesh Nisan as the first month of the year. And although we had other mitzvot in Sefer Bereshit, such as Brit Mila, such as the prohibition to eat Gida Nasheh, This one was the first one as a direct commandment to Am Yisrael. What I want to address tonight is why is it that this mitzvah was selected as the first one? Because upon reflection, it's not very clear. And second, why was it given to B'nai Yisrael at this specific moment, as they began this journey as God's chosen people? Like I said, it doesn't seem to fit the theme of the parasha whatsoever. It's a beautiful mitzvah. It's gorgeous. Birkata Levana, sanctifying the moon. When, uh, when Nisan comes, wow, we, uh, how important that month is. But what does that have to do with Pesach? What does that have to do with Yetziat Mitzrayim? And while the theme of Chodesh Nisan is certainly, you know, congruent with the with the, uh, uh, the, the, the instructions of preparing Korban Pesach, but the knowledge of halachot, of Kiddush HaKodesh, of sanctifying the month, is not really a prerequisite for the mitzvot of the Korban. Um, and in fact, like I said, none of this was really going to take place, at least the full spectrum of sanctifying the new moon, was not going to be put into effect until we lived in Eretz Yisrael, and there was a Sanhedrin, there was a Betin functioning that was going to determine this, um, this mitzvah. So first, we're going to divide this class into two. First, I want to provide you with two very nice answers that I read by Rav Yaakov Horowitz, uh, a, a, a big gadol, big tamichacham, and he's also a um, big educator. And uh, then, with your permission, we'll extend a little bit deeper where we see a much bigger connection to the theme of the parasha. There's a gemara al masechet Chulin. That says Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi ramet ketiv. Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi brought a contradiction based on the pasuk that said, Elohim et It's in Parashat Bereshit. God created two great luminaries, shene ha meorot ha gedolim, very big. And then it said, "That's one pasuk." Uktiv. Just shortly after, it says, katon," The great luminary and the small luminary. So Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi says, Eh, what happened here? You have two great luminaries. Now all of a sudden you have one big and one small. How do we reconcile this difficulty? We clearly have a contradiction here in the, in the Pesukim. So Gemara says, The moon said to God, could it possibly be that two kings share one crown? How can you have two great luminaries ruling the skies? It just doesn't work. You can't have two kings sitting in one throne. There's one president, there's one prime minister. That's the, way, that's the way it is. There's one king. So it can't work. Can't have two. So God said, you know, moon. Hazaku baruch. you have a very good point. go and diminish yourself. And the moon <coughs> shrunk. The moon became uh, uh, smaller. Hashem reduced uh, its light; it actually does not give its own light, and it established the dominance of the uh, of the sun over the rest of the celestial bodies. So after two hundred and ten years of galut and misraim ben israel were now starting a massive rise to power in prestige in power in financial success it's all going to happen starting right now and as with all blessings there's a lot of challenges that are associated with acquiring brachot you had slaves for so many years that were penniless that that have Uh, Little reason to be jealous of each other because we all have nothing. We, as slaves, we're all the same. Poor people are not jealous of other poor people because they both realize they have nothing. So there's a natural bond that's built between the people as slaves that we kind of got to stick together. And we're all kind of in this together. And hopefully we will escape together and get out of this together. And that's what was created. And they, they, they shared a common enemy. They shared the same sufferings and deprivation. So therefore, they're biyachad. And these relationships, says Rabbi Horowitz, are about to go through a very serious, rigorous test with, that comes with success. The fact that they're going to be free. The fact that they're going to experience bounty. And they're going to receive bounty from the Egyptians. smalot that they're going to go take from the Egyptians. And eventually they're going to acquire land in Israel, in Eretz Israel, And therefore, this is maybe what Hashem was hinting to them right now at this moment, as they're going to start this journey as the most prestigious nation on earth, that I want you to remember the moon. I want you to remember the importance of humility the importance of what the Levana stands for. Because when you frown upon other people's successes, that diminishes your own stature. You let your ego take over, and now you are diminished in the eyes of others, in so many ways. And therefore, on the other hand, when you appreciate the success of other people, that's going to elevate you. It's going to make you a true Eved Hashem. It's It's going to... Increase your spiritual being. Maybe that's the reason or the explanation uh, into uh, the, the phrase that God used when he told Moshe and showed him this is what the moon looks like. Because if you think about it, we know what a new moon is, right? You look outside, it's a very thin sliver. But Moshe Rabenu had no idea what this looked like. Remember, guys, this is the first time that, what is considered the new moon when you don't know what the new moon is? Maybe the new moon is the full moon. Right? We, like, we don't know. So, the Rashi says, Nitkasha ad Molad Rabenu was struggling with what is it, what, what is the new moon, the birth of the moon, look like? Bezo <laughs> da What sizes have to be so that I know when to sanctify it? barakia. <laughs> the Rashi says, he quotes midrash that God showed him the finger, he goes, Look. Look, kaze eve kadesh, kazer'e that's why it says, one of the reasons why I said, a hazeh, like this, you see it right now, re'eve kadesh, see it and sanctify it. So the Ba'alei Musar, want us learn from here, that if there's a homiletical lesson that is learned from kaze re'eve kadesh, look at the moon, like you see it now when it's small, kadesh, that's how you sanctify yourself. You want to know a way how to sanctify yourself to make yourself holier? uh, 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 act with humility act with humbleness be like the moon and and at at this point as you're on your way up and and you have an opportunity God forbid for your ego and your arrogance to take over that's when I want you to look at the moon to remind yourself what what humility is and the importance of it that's one message he brings down um, Rav Horowitz and another one he says which is related to the fact that the moon runs on a monthly cycle waxing and waning the, the sun, we know, remains in its full glory every day. Even when you don't see it all. it's all, the moon and the sun are always full, but what we see, the sun is always full. And the moon is uh, changing. It undergoes change every day. There's humble beginnings at the beginning of the month, and then in the middle of the month, you get this massive, full, beautiful moon, and then it fades again, eventually disappearing from the sight altogether. The Gemara Masechet Kavtet Amuralev explains that the Jewish people are compared to the moon. And throughout history, uh, one of the Mefarshim explained, throughout history, we were fortunate, fortunate enough to enjoy p- periods of glory, periods where we shine bright like a full moon, and as well times where we were diminished, where we suffered horrific destruction. I don't need to give you examples of times uh, in history where we where we suffered that. And Hakadosh Baruch Hu right now is directing B'nai Israel to look at the moon and realize their newfound freedom and that power that they now have that may not last forever. Look where you were just were for two hundred and ten years. Look what you suffered, the backbreaking labor you went through. Look how many family members you lost, died, perished. You know that that just couldn't handle the the, the burden of the of the overload. And now everything just changed in an instant. You were very, very small, and now you're going to be very, very big. And our, the message of looking over there, uh, looking at the moon, is that our strength as God's chosen nation needs to be much more than the power that we possess or the, the financial success that we achieve or the, the social successes and the friends that we make. But it's to enjoy what I'm giving you and be appreciative of what I'm giving you. And realize, though, that your main goal is that you have to live meaningful lives. Maybe that's the reason, I think, that in the bracha that we say during Birkata HaLevanah, which hopefully we can find some time to say this week, is, Chok uzman natan nahem, shelo tafkidam. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Am Yisrael the statute to, the, the, the mitzvah, to, to sanctify the month at a certain time. And you don't change your purpose. Understand what your tafkid is in life. Understand what your mission is in life. And make sure that doesn't change. And the moon reminds us that, that sometimes you'll be big, sometimes you'll be small. But understand that if you devote your life to the internal principles of the Torah, then you have, you have succeeded. So those are the two answers I, I want one, two, two of the answers I wanted to share with you from Rabbi Horowitz that I thought were um, eye-opening, and I think very telling. And Bezat Hashem, we can walk out there with with some sort of uh, a, a lesson to 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 change us, of course, for the good. But like we normally do on Thursday night, we're going to go a little bit deeper. And I want to give you today the perus um, by the Zera Shimshon. The Zera Shimshon, we just uh, we just purchased a. Uh, he said here for the Bet Midrash behind me um, is uh, is taking the world by storm. He was one. He was a uh, a darshan and a perush on the Chumash that is very very elaborate, very deep and very very powerful. And he has incredible <laughs> novelties on the parasha. And he poses among among many drashot in this week's parasha. He poses the same question. What exactly is this mitzvah doing in this parsha? Why do I need to learn about Hachodesh Hazelachem in the parsha of Yetsiat Mitzrayim? Like we said at the beginning, this is a parsha clearly devoted to Pesach. Everything from the beginning to the end is Pesach. It's the end. It's a culmination. They're leaving. They're out. Bivilu Yatsanu I'm Not going to start singing because there's people online listening. All right? But the, the, and then you throw in the So that's number one. Why does this mitzvah need to be given before Mitzrayim? Yeshia Mitzrayim. He asks a couple side questions that he answers along the way, which is, what is the meaning of this month? And what's the meaning of for you? So again, a very simple, uh, pr- uh, you know, shot explanation. Okay, so we'll go this HaChodesh, the, the one where we are right now, and Lachem, it's for you. Chachamim tell us that, that uh, like we said at the beginning of the shiur, it's up to B'nai Israel to sanctify the new moon. It's not going to be Hashem, and that's why we have the concept of Abedin and, t- and testimony and witnesses that come and say, "I saw the new moon," and they're going to be the ones to do it. Lachem, Lachem. But really, it should have just, could have just said HaChodesh, this month. HaChodesh, OsChodeshim, is a new moon. Is new, is the, is the first of the month. And from there, we will know that Nissan is the first of the months. So those are the questions that I hope to answer tonight. There is an, a, another apparent contradiction in how long the Makot lasted. This was the title of the class. Someone ju- just before says, oh, that was a great teaser, Rabbi. I want to know how long did the Makot last, right? There's a, there's a, it seems to be a contradiction between how the Makot how long the makot lasted. We're gonna get we're gonna go back to our question later on. The last Mishnah in Masechet Eduyot, in the, sorry, in the second chapter of Masechet Eduyot. It's not a Masechet that's commonly studied, but this Mishnah is more well known. The Mishnah says, <laughs> There are five things that took twelve months to happen. Or do take 12 months to happen. Mishpat Dor Hamabul, the judgment of the generation of the flood, 12 months. That took 12 months. God's justice and strict judgment on the Dor Hamabul was 12 months. Mishpat Iov, Iov was um, a person in Tanakh who, j- Job, who, who suffered tremendous amount of tzar, a lot of pain and suffering and agony. Many people have the custom to read the book on Tisha B'Av for that reason. It's found even in the in the books of Tisha B'av, and uh, it deals with his suffering and how he, he accepted his suffering, and that took twelve months as well. Mishpat haMitzriim. This is where it's um, uh, applicable to us. The judgment of the Egyptians, in other words, the ten plagues. Twelve months. Shlemasah Chodesh. Mishpat Gog Magog leAtid Labo. The war at the end of days between Gog and Magog, which is going to precede Mashiach, we very soon. Or some people say, "Well, we already started." I don't know. Shnei masar chodesh takes twelve months. And lastly, mishpat re'sha'im ba'gehinom shnei masar chodesh. When the wicked go to Geinam after they pass away, twelve months. That takes twelve months. Shnei <laughs> mar bechotcho. Chodesh bechotcho takes twelve months. There is a different opinion in the Mishnah, Rabbi Yochanan Ben Uri, who says that no, when the wicked go to the Geinam, it doesn't have to be 12 months. It could be, Mina Pesach it could be just seven weeks. Okay. Pesach is a Shabbat, Shavuot is a Shabbat, and therefore you could have a seven-week Geinam. Right? Hawaii, none of us go to Geinam, but I'd rather take seven weeks than 12 months. Okay? But nevertheless, those are the five things that... That that take twelve months to happen. So the third one is the one that we care about for this class at least, which is the dinim, the dinay of the Mitzrim, their judgment. The ten makot took place over a course peer, a span of twelve months. Clear? So far so good. That's one shita. The problem is that there is um, another Mishnah that says there's a midrash, sorry, that says. That each plague, each plague lasted for one week. Probably learned this in school. And the warnings of the plague were for three weeks. Okay, so let's do a little bit of math. If the plague lasted one week and the warning was three weeks, that's one month. Okay, and you have 10 plagues. How many months? Ten months. 10 months. See your contradiction? So we have a Mishnah that said 12 months. And now you're telling me 10 months. What is it? That's the stira. So you have a stira between the Midrash, the Mishnah and the Midrash. And I, where do I know that there, this actually, it was a one week of the actual plague? The Pasuk actually tells us, shivat yamim, and the seven days were filled up, after God struck the uh the Nile. So, seven days. So, according to this opinion, the plagues on the Egyptians should have only lasted 10 months and not 12. So, how do I reconcile this? So, one answer is based on a commentary by the Maharsha on Gemara Masechet Rosh Hashanah. There, he says that the actual labor, the backbreaking labor in Egypt ended on Rosh Hashanah prior to Yetziyat Mitzrayim. So Yetziyat Mitzrayim was in Nisan. So you got to go back to uh, uh, Chodesh Tishri. So uh, when, how long ago was Rosh Hashanah? Six months? Yeah, right, six months roughly. Six months before? That's when there was, uh, that's when the labor stopped. But there he writes that there were days, intervening days between the plagues where there wasn't a plague. So you would have um, uh, blood, and then there would be a break, and then you would be uh, frogs, and there would be a break, and there would be lice, and then a little break. Few days, okay. All in all, from beginning says the Maharsha, from the beginning, 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 to the end, and then, and then, twelve months. But you only had ten months of actual plagues, but there were days in between. You get it? Uh, that's the answer of the of the Maharsha. The total judgment of the Makot was twelve months. But there were intervening days. The problem with this, says the Zerashim Shimshon, why have to be there? Why have intervening days? What's the purpose? If God wanted to give you Makkah, and each one was a week followed by three, three, uh, well, sorry, three weeks of of warning plus a week Makkah, just do it consecutively. Boom, 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 ten months, and that's the end of it. Why do I need to have these days in between where there was nothing going on? So to preface this answer. I need to tell you the significance of the number 12 in our religion. Now, there's a lot of numbers that are significant in the Jewish religion. One, two, three, really almost all the numbers. But why is 12 important? So many of you will be quick to say, well, there's 12 tribes. There's 12 Shavatim. And those tribes correspond to the 12 Mazalot, We call a mazal the constellations, the horoscopes. There are 12 mazalot, formations of stars in heaven. You might know some of them. Libra, Taurus, Aries, Sagittarius. Okay. And there are 12 tribes that correspond to the 12 constellations. And those constellations correspond to each of the 12 months of the year not what's written in the newspaper, okay, not what's written in your magazine, but it's full months. Nisan is one, Iyar is another, okay, Uh, so Tishri is Libra, I know that, I'm not born in Tishri, but Tishri is Libra, Libra is a scale, because on Tishri, your, your merits are being judged. Everything you do, your merits are being weighed versus your, your wrongful actions, your Averot, your mitzvot versus Averot, because it's Tishri, it's a month of, uh, of Din, of Rosh Hashanah. Okay? So, the Hebrew months, so again, 12 Shavatim correspond to 12 constellations in the stars, which correspond to 12 months. As well, side point, a cube has 12 edges. Okay, we're not going to get too much into that part, but there's 12 edges in the cube. Probably most importantly, what I want you to know about 12 is that Hashem's name, Yud, and then Ahay, and then Avav, and then Ahay, has 12 permutations, which means you can reorganize the letters into 12 different ways. That's very important to know. And it's important to know the following fact. When the name of God is spelled in its proper form, Yud, Hey, Vav, and Hey, that represents God's absolute oneness, and everything that exists is a reflection of His existence. And only then, when we, that's when we see absolute mercy. That's why we call that name, Yud, K Vav, K, as the name of Rahamim, mercy. In any other form, any of the other 11 ways of organizing those letters, it brings an expression of justice and punishment. It's not, there's got, there's got to be something there that is of punishment, because it's not perfect. It's, it's, it's not Hashem's truest form of oneness. So it says the Zereshtim Shimshon as follows. He says there needed to be 12 months from the beginning to the end. The name yud k vav the way it's spelled properly, Tells me that Akados Paruchu brings everything that he brings is yesh ma'ayin, this concept of he brings to the world from nothing, something from nothingness. That's how he created the world. And we, everybody on this table, and it's a fundamental belief of every single Jew, that this is how the world came into, cre- into being, this is how everything we see came into being yesh ma'ayin, through this name of Yud Kevavke. It was this exact. Notion that Paro denied. He believed that everything was dependent on the constellations. He believed that everything was based on what other people are going to tell him. That's why Paro always brought his stargazers. That's why it was always the necromancers who were telling him, oh, the Savior is going to be born. Because to him, it was all about the stars. It was all about how the stars are shaped today versus tomorrow. And they were, ah, tomorrow's the guy. Tomorrow he's going to be born. He had no belief in this idea of Hashem UK Bavke, It was all based on the constellations. So Hashem wanted Par'on, says the Zer Hashim son, to be punished for 12 months so that he can't say that if there was one month that had fallen out for me, I would have been saved. If, if the Makot were going, and one month there was no maka, Cheshvan, let's say there was no Makkah in Cheshvan, what's Pharaoh gonna say? As a believer of the stars, of the constellations. Ah, you see, Cheshvan, saved me. Cheshvan was there to protect me. The constellation, what's, uh, what's the one after Libra? Uh,
1: Sagittarius. No, 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 yalla. Uh
0: The one, I'm, I'm actually, no. Scorpio. Thank you. Scorpio. Scorpio. Ah, Scorpio. Scorpio saved me. Okay. Yeah. That's what, that's what he would have said. Because it was, uh, Masabi saved me because there was no Makkah. So therefore the judgment was extended throughout 12 months corresponding to the 12 constellations. Those 12 months of Makot also corresponded to the enslavement of the 12 tribes who are compared to the 12 this is what compared to the stars and the twelve constellations. So the Egyptians were uh, their punishment extended for twelve months, corresponding to all aspects of existence, which are represented by the twelve permutations of Hashem's name, like we said. So the spiritual influence of each one of those names and, and the rearrangement of those letters is gets a certain ascension every month. Okay together with one of the 12 constellations, and they each correspond to another tribe and one of the 12 borders of the cube, which we're not going to get into. That's why on Roschodis, by the way, before we take out the Sefer Torah on Roschodis, we say a big, long Yehi Ratzon. Right before, we say a long prayer. And at the end of that prayer, we say to God, please, you know, this is a prayer for protection and all that. We say, Do it for the sake of the 12 permutations. Of your name, Yudke Bavke, Hameirim, which illuminates Beyud Bet Rashe Chodashim. The twelve months of the year. Each name illuminates another, another month. If you pay close attention to the Pesukim, you actually see this play out. I'm gonna show it to you. Hashem first hinted this to Moshe Rabenu in his in, in Parashat Shemot. When Moshe says, I can't, I can't do it. I can't be the guy. I have a speech impediment. <sighs> and Hashem said, don't worry. I'm going to send you Aaron. Aaron's going to be your guy. And the Pasuk there says that Aaron is going to be the guy who's going to lay the punishment on the Egyptians. <inaudible> he's going to be speaking for you to the nation and he's going to be your mouth. If you look at the words, Ha'am, Ve'haya, Hu, the first letters of those four words spell out Yud Kav Vav ke in backwards, reverse. Ha'am is Hey, ve'haya is Vav, Hu is Hey, and Yihya is Yud. It's backwards Yud Ke Vav ke. He's hinting to Moshe, I'm gonna show you how I'm gonna how I'm gonna be uh, um, administering punishment to the Egyptians through the exact opposite of. My real name, which is Mercy, I'm going to give him the, the harshest they can imagine. So the the, the backwards of UK kevafke is the strictest of all names. He's already telling him right right there. This is how I'm. This is what I'm going to do. When Paro's servants went to pa- Paro and said, "Yalla, Paro, enough already. We can't take this anymore." In this week's parasha, Yezan Zelanu Lemokesh Shalach Et Anashim Biabdu. Enough already. How long is this guy, Moshe, going to be a snare for us? Ad lemokesh. The last letters of matai Ye lanu yud hei hei vav. Again, not the actual order. They, were, they wanted, they wanted, they, they needed some mercy. They were looking, they were desperate for it, but they, it couldn't come out. The servants wanted a manifestation of Hashem's Yud Keh Vav k name in its correct order to, to signify some sort of Av-Rachamim, but it was not to be. It was Yud Heh Heh Vav. Recently, we spoke about, I'm going to show you one more example, about Paro and his inability to do Teshuvah. He, he, he couldn't repent. And that's why God hardened his heart and brought even plague after plague. And we shared some examples on why was it Paro could not repent. Different answers there. Um, but there's one line where, where you hear Paro talk and you say, wait, wait, this guy, look at this. This guy seems like a ra- righteous guy now. What pasuk am I referring to? Adonai <laughs> v'ani He actually said, God is the righteous one. Me and my nations were the wicked ones. Is there any bigger statement of Teshuvah? He admitted. That's it. God is the righteous one. I'm a nobody. I'm a Rasha. My nation's Rashaim. So why why not accept his Teshuvah? Why harden his heart? Why afflict him more? His Teshuvah was not sincere, the Chachamim say. How do we know it wasn't sincere? Where do I know from that statement that his Teshuvah was not sincere? The answer is, again, look at the letters because he interposed an extra letter between the proper sequence of the letters of the name. Adonai HaTzadik that's Yud and Hey, Va'ani Va'ami har-ishahim. Vav Vav He Yud hay Vav Vav He He added another letter. So the extra Vav that he added that ruined the sequence of God's name and he couldn't evoke His mercy. So Hence, 12 months. So we get Paro out of the picture. Why was there an interruption between them? And why didn't that, un- why didn't that undermine the fact, the symbolism of a 12-month term? Because what we're saying now, based on, remember, the Marashah's answer, was that there was 12 months beginning to end, but there were some days in between. So the Chacham, Mahar- so, he explains the Zerashim Shon beautifully. A- a- amazing, amazing chidush. Remember this. He says, the, when he says the beginning to the end, when was the beginning? The beginning was not makat dam. That was not the beginning of the affliction. The beginning, says Zer um, Shimshon the marashah, sorry, was the first warning with the snake and the tanin, last week's parasha. When they go up with the snake and the crocodile and the staff, that was the first. That's when it started. Twelve months Later, makat bechorot. The first warning was not about the blood, it was the episode with the staff. When did the ten makot actually start? In Chodesh Iyar, the next month. So again, if we left Egypt on Pesach, on the 15th day of Nisan, and we know that was at the end of 12 months, and it started at the, the episode with the staff and the snake, that must have also been Pesach, right? Around that time. So the first plague, Chachamim explained, started the month after, in Iyar, ER, the second month of the year. Okay, but then how many months do I have left? Eleven. Eleven. I have eleven months over ten plagues. So sometime during that month, during those, 10, during those eleven months, there was no plagues. Right? There must have been. There's only ten plagues. We know they lasted for a month each, and there's eleven months left. So there were some times that was not going on. The reason why there was no Makkah, anybody know? Extra tshuva. Uh, what was that? An extra opportunity to do tshuva. Uh, no, I think maybe uh, okay, but he didn't, he didn't take the opportunity. Why was there extra? Why was there an extra month? We said that the twelve represents the twelve Shevatim. <laughs> Levi did not suffer. Levi was a tribe that did not suffer. They were not enslaved. So there was, there had to be a month with no slavery. I'm sorry, that's no slavery, no Makkah. Because each month, each, each plague represented another, another tribe, but Levi didn't suffer. So there needed to be a month where there was nothing. That brings us to exactly 10. The only issue that we have with this is, Paro has his way out. Paro now can say, ah, that's the month that protected me. Right? Remember? He can say, again, if it was Chesvan, he could say, look, Chesvan, there was nothing. He doesn't know that it's because Levi wasn't enslaved. So look at the brilliance of, of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and of course, how he figures this out. In order that Par'o not find an opportunity to say that a specific constellation saved him from the Makot, God made it. That none of them started from the beginning of the month. All of the plagues started in the middle of the month. And the proof, because it ended on the 15th of Nisan. The 15th of Nisan, that's when it ended. So it turns out, that the month where there was no Makkah, the month that there was no plague, consisted of half of one month and half of another month. And therefore, each of the calendar months, there was a plague, but it was half and half. It was either a warning and a plague or one of the other, but it was half and half. And therefore, it was done so it would be impossible for parol to suggest that any of those constellations had the ability to see Unbelievable chidus. And there's proof. There's, if you look at the Mefarshim, you have proof that, that the beginning of the Makot started in the middle of the month of Nisan, Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu with the burning bush took place on Pesach, or right around there, again, 15th of the month, and you keep on going. And, and it, right, he went to deliver the, the warnings and, and the Makot. And that's the reason... How, that's how we got from 12 to 10. We deducted, we, we went down 1 to 11 because, because Levi was not enslaved. And then, what, but what about a parol? Because the months, the, the, the plagues didn't line up exactly with the months, so that parol doesn't have a way out, a claim. Look, this one protected me. <coughs> Let's go back where we started. ha hazeh lachem <laughs> rosh We asked a question. What in the world is this mitzvah doing this week's Parashat What's it doing here? It doesn't. It seems to not belong. Let's finish the whole story with Egypt. Let's cross the sea, and then give me this mitzvah when, like, by Mara, when God gave us Shabbat, it would have been a perfect time. Okay, here the the moon, the holidays, Shabbat, it would have been great. Why you give it to me now? The combined numerical value of all twelve permutations of God's name which is 26 times 12, right? Right? There's, tw- there's 12 different ways to rearrange God's name. We said that? Mm-hmm. So if yud Vafke is 26, and you multiply by 12, 312. Which is the same value as the word chodesh. It's the same value as the word month. Chodesh. Therefore, at the end of 12 months of affliction, when all those 12 different permutations of God's name brought trouble and suffering and plagues upon the Egyptians, solely because those wicked men, those reshaim, transformed what should have been an attribute of mercy to strict justice, that's when God gives us the mitzvah of Kiddush HaKodesh. And he says to B'nei Israel, HaKodesh hazeh lachem, Rosh Chodeshim, hazeh lachem, hazeh, zeh, Zayin, hey. How much is Zayin, hey? Twelve. These twelve permutations of my name, which equals Z, whose sum equals Chodesh, which inflicted punishment on the Egyptians, that's going to be the source of which Hashem directs Lachem to you, His flow of kindness and mercy, when you use His name the right way. When you push out His name in the proper way, Yudkei Vavkei. When Hashem's name, like we said earlier, when God's name is in its primary order, it brings down Midat Rahamin, it brings down Beracha, it brings down Shefa, it brings down Sparnassah. But when it's in a different order, it brings down Midat Adin. By embracing the power of the constellations, Parol decided his fortune, and he exchanged mercy for punishment that came with the secondary spellings of his name. And Hashem wanted to indicate, he indicated to Claude Yisrael, that in contrast to the suffering that the Egyptians experienced over the last 12 months, through the 12 wrong or different permutations of the name, which are equal to Chodesh, Lachem, he's going to bring blessing to you. And that's why God gave Am Yisrael the Chodesh now at this time. And that's why he gave it at the time of Yeshia Mitzrayim, the essence of the 12 spellings correspond to the lunar months, the chodesh, and not the solar months. Hence, the Jewish people, we count the lunar months. Our rosh chodesh that we just had is based on the lunar month. It's not based on the sun. We want to count according to the moon. Ha-chodesh Achem, exclusively for you. You're the only ones that do this. You're the only ones that have this. For you and not the other nations. Because for the Jewish people, the salvation... The Yeshua is symbolized by the mazalot and the constellations joining as one. There's not independent entities like Par'o thought Ah, so now it's, it's uh, Cheshvan, so uh, uh, this is going to happen. Oh, now it's Adar, so this is going to happen. It's all one representation of Echad. At the time of, the, of Yetziyad Mitzrayim, that's when it became clear. That's when it became clear to all of Bnei Yisrael, the unity of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke. That's represented by all the names of God, by all the months, by all the constellations. And the other nations, they don't have that association with Hashem's oneness. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Adonai Echad. It's only for Yisrael where we have this concept of Hashem Echad, not the rest of the goyim. But that's the message of the moon and the makot and their connection. They have what to do with each other. And every time that we see the new moon, we're going to do this week, Bezat Hashem, and we're... Hopefully, it'll be sunny or sunny or clear outside. We haven't seen clear skies in a little bit. And we see a Beracha over it. We have to demonstrate our belief that Hashem created the world from nothingness. Yesh me'ayin, from that amazing name of Yuke Babke. That's the most fundamental premise of the Jewish faith. There is nothing more important than that. That's how we acknowledge that there's a borei Olam... And that's something that Paro could not see. Have a wonderful night everybody.